0: Good morning, Sunrise. Hello. My name's Jeff. I'm filling in for Dan this morning. Glad to see all your faces. Thank you for joining us online. If you are joining us out there, um, I envy you. You're probably still in your pajamas. That's awesome. I'm still full from Thanksgiving. Anybody else? (laughs) I hope you all had a wonderful holiday, safe travels, got to spend some time with family. Um, It was a good, good weekend for us, so I hope it was for you as well. We're going to sing uh, some songs this morning worship God. So if you'll stand with me, then uh, let's get rocking.
1: We pray. That's who you are.
0: Sing this out with me. And when I don't see it, you're
1: working.
0: You are worthy. We come before you this morning. We praise your name, God. We thank you for everything you've done. We love you. We pray all this in your Son's name. Amen. You may be seated.
2: Hey, good morning, sunrise. Today feels like um, winter 101, if it was a college course. An introduction, not too serious, not too hard, but uh, certainly a taste of what is coming. We're glad you're here today. Thank you for being here. If you're online, we want to connect with you as well. Uh, So on our Facebook page and in the our website, we have connection links. And if you follow that link, you'll find a a way to give us some information about yourself and we'll stay connected with you. Like my daughter, my daughter Maureen. Our daughter is here from Peoria, Illinois today. She's so thrilled that I mentioned her name. Uh, (laughs) But I couldn't resist. So I don't get a chance to introduce her to the public very often. Hey, um, so... If you aren't with us, if you're new with us today, if you're here for the first time, uh, or relatively new, please do try to connect with us. We do have a gift bag in the lobby at the Welcome Center. We'd love to send that home with you today. Uh, I heard there was a football game yesterday. Not sure if anybody else was aware of that. Um, (laughs) uh, If you happen to be someone who rooted for the team from Ohio, Uh, We are going to host a therapy session right after the service. (laughs) For anonymity, we'll probably do it in a closet uh, because I don't think we'll need much room, but uh, (laughs) just connect with me right after the service today. Uh, (laughs) You don't need me because you can go in the lobby and pick up this cool um, update card, announcements and, and missions update out in the lobby on the table there. So grab one of those if you don't have one already. Noah persists in thinking that the men of the church like to go to a pub. And, you know, so we're going to do it again this week. Uh, So it's December, I'm sorry, it's a week. Sorry, my bad. It's a week, December 7th. But get ready, you know, save up your extra allowance money so you can come and join me and Noah at uh, Hudsonville Grill. And on December 12th, it's going to be so cool, the kids are going to take over the service. The kids of Sunrise are going to be with us, actually running the service. It's going to be a lot of fun, a lot more fun than when the adults do it. I guarantee that. So So today, we're honored to have with us a guest speaker. Uh, She's a friend of Noah, so she's qualified. She's vetted. She's she's passed the the, uh, entrance-level exam. Um, Jody Van Wingerden is a student at Calvin Seminary. She'll graduate in May. She's excited about that, excited to see what God has in front of her. Uh, She is a student there because she is passionate about the ways the gospel is practical and relevant for today's world, today's people. Um, Jody and her husband, Dave, have lived in Grand Rapids now for 20 years. They have three children. Anna, age nineteen, Will, age sixteen, and Ari, age ten. So help me welcome Jody Van Wingerden to the stage today, and she's gonna share God's truth with us. Thank you, Jody.
3: Thank you very much. Good morning. Thanks for inviting me to be with you all today. I do know Noah. I'm not sure if that vets me or not. I'll let you decide that. Um, But I appreciate that Noah reached out to me to join you all today. And it's the beginning of Advent. And it's the first in an Advent series. And um, that series title is Songs of Redemption. So over the next number of weeks, you're going to look at the different songs in Scripture and the way that they point to the coming Messiah. Um, Before we open Scripture together, let's pray together. Father God, open your word to us this morning that we may see what you have in store for us, that we may see the promises you've given us, and that we may claim them as our own. We pray this in your name. Amen. Today's scripture comes from Exodus, Exodus 14. This is the song of Miriam and Moses. And there's a few Bibles on tables around. If you'd like to turn in those Bibles and follow along, it's on page 48. Otherwise, you can just sit back and listen. Exodus 14, verse 29. But the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground, with a wall of water on their right and on their left. That day the Lord saved Israel from the hands of the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians lying dead on the shore. And when the Israelites saw the mighty hand of the Lord displayed against the Egyptians, the people feared the Lord and put their trust in him and in Moses, his servant. Then Moses and the Israelites sang this song to the Lord. I will sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted. Both horse and driver he has hurled into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my defense. He has become my salvation. He is my God, and I will praise him. My Father's God, and I will exalt him. The Lord is a warrior. The Lord is his name. Pharaoh's chariots and his army he has hurled into the sea. The best of Pharaoh's officers are drowned in the Red Sea. The deep waters have covered them. They sank to the depths like a stone. Your right hand, Lord, was majestic in power. Your right hand, Lord, shattered the enemy. In the greatness of your majesty, you threw down those who opposed you. You unleashed your burning anger. It consumed them like stubble. By the blast of your nostrils, the waters piled up. The surging waters stood up like a wall. The deep waters congealed in the heart of the sea. The enemy boasted, I will pursue, I will overtake them, I will divide the spoils, I will gorge myself on them. But you, you blew with your breath, and the sea covered them. They sank like lead in the mighty waters. Who among the gods is like you, Lord? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glory, working wonders? You stretch out your right hand, and the earth swallows your enemies. In your unfailing love, you will lead the people you have redeemed. In your strength, you will guide them to your holy dwelling. The nations will hear and tremble. Anguish will grip the people of Philistia. The chiefs of Edom will be terrified. The leaders of Moab will be seized with trembling. The people of Canaan will melt away. Terror and dread will fall on them. By the power of your arm, they will be as still as a stone until your people pass by, Lord, until the people you bought pass by. You will bring them in and plant them on the mountain of your inheritance, the place, Lord, you made for your dwelling, the sanctuary, Lord, your hands established. The Lord reigns forever and ever. When Pharaoh's horses, chariots, and horsemen went into the sea, the Lord brought the waters of the sea back over them, but the Israelites walked through the sea on dry ground. Then Miriam the prophet, Aaron's sister, took a tambourine in her hand, and all the women followed her with timbrels and dancing. Miriam sang to them, Sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted. Both horse and driver he has hurled into the sea. Then Moses led Israel from the Red Sea, and they went into the desert of Shur. For three days they traveled in the desert without finding water. When they came to Marah, they could not drink its water because it was bitter. That is why the place is called Marah. So the people grumbled against Moses, saying, What are we to drink? This is the word of the Lord. Stories are important. They've also become really popular. It's almost impossible to visit a company or organization's website without finding a page labeled About Us or Our Story. And that's for good reason. Our stories tell others who we are, those events that shaped our identity and remind us who we desire to be. Take, for example, Tom's Shoes, the original one-for-one company founded by a guy named Blake, who took a trip to Argentina. And noticed that kids who didn't have shoes struggled in all kinds of ways, giving away a pair of shoes for every pair purchased. That story not only tells us about who the company is, it also reminds the company about who it aims to be. Today, the company's tagline is, TOMS, Shoes for Moving Forward. And their website goes on to explain, We've always been in business to improve lives. That's why our shoes are something really special. Because it doesn't really matter where you're going when you're in your toms, you can be sure it's in the right direction. Churches have these stories too, don't we? The history of our events that have shaped our identity and remind us who we are and who we aim to be. I can get a clue about who Sunrise Ministries is from your website one of the first things I see is your mission statement, transforming the world through God's grace and love. And then there's the welcoming page of common questions a new person might ask so that it's not so scary to show up on a Sunday morning. But the stories are where it gets real, and your website has a page that does that too. It tells a story of a church that's not yet 20 years old A story that is about your fair share of challenges and uncertainty, but also an abundance of blessing and hope and a vision of reaching out to the lost, the lonely, the bruised and the broken. All of these things are part of the story that has shaped who you are, and they are part of the story about who you desire to be. What we have here in Exodus 15 is the retelling of a story. Where Israel didn't have a website, they had an oral tradition of telling their stories. And one of the primary ways that stories were remembered and preserved was through song. Songs that were passed down through the generations. Stories that lived in the collective memory of Israel and reminded them about who they were. This song, this story, it's a big one. Can you imagine a Bible without the Exodus story? Without this story, there is no nation of Israel. Until the Exodus, Israel's only story was slavery in Egypt. When they had come to Egypt a few hundred years before, they were just a big family. Their growth as a nation coincided with their enslavement by Pharaoh. And so this life of slavery is all that Israel knows. What else is there to remember? They have forgotten who they are, where they came from. Abraham has become a distant memory. In fact, it seems that they've even forgotten who God is because in Exodus 2 we read that they cry out in misery. Not that they're crying to anyone, but simply that their cries of anguish happen to make their way up to God. And when God speaks to Moses out of a burning bush in the desert, and tells Moses to bring God's message of deliverance to the people, Moses doesn't even think the Israelites are going to know who God is. One of his first questions is, what if the Israelites ask me who you are? What do I tell them? It's as though Moses can imagine them saying, which God did you say was going to save us? Because, you know, there are a lot of them to choose from in Egypt. How are they supposed to know a God who has been silent All this time. So God sends Moses to the people and begins making the introductions. Hi, remember me? I am the I am. Jehovah, the existing one, the one who has always been, the one who created the world from nothing. The God of Abraham, the one who claimed you way back then the one who has the power to rescue you. Those silly Egyptian gods and goddesses, they're no match for me. This Egyptian goddess of fertility with the head of the frog, let's see what she does when I overrun their houses with frogs. How about the Egyptian goddess of love and protection with the head of a cow? Can she keep their cattle from dying? And the god of the sun, supposedly the most powerful of them all. But you see, I created the sun, and I alone am able to take away its light. So, after a few hundred years of slavery, and then a handful of disastrous plagues in a matter of weeks, not only the Israelites, but all of Egypt, too, know a few things about this God, the I Am. This God who can command creation itself, and death and life, too, is solidly on Israel's side. Pharaoh concedes defeat. He tells Moses to take all the Israelites and just go. And so this giant parade of people just up and walks right out of Egypt with the God of all creation, the promise-keeping God of their father Abraham, leading the way in a giant pillar of cloud and fire. So things are looking pretty good for Israel. The I am who was a distant memory showed up. And they are following their God out of slavery, out of the only life they have ever known. But then, just as the reality of their freedom is sinking in, after they have set up camp against the edge of the sea, they look up. And they see Pharaoh's army coming after them. Pharaoh, it seems, has suddenly come to his senses, realizing the disastrous consequences of losing his entire labor force. And so he sets out to bring them back. And the Israelites are stuck up against the edge of a giant, watery grave with nowhere to go. And they have never been more afraid. The Israelites stare into the waters of death. And then they look back at slavery coming to reclaim them. And they think they've been duped. They look to Moses, the accusation plain on their faces, and they ask this messenger of God, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? What have you done by bringing us out of Egypt? It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. These are plainly the only two options, slavery or death. I think it's kind of a shame that we know this story so well. We know what comes next. It's way too easy to get to what we know to be the good part of the story. Too easy to skip over this moment of terror, of seeing no way out, which is too bad. I think we need to pause a bit longer at this part of the story. This part where the Israelites still don't really know who God is. Still don't know that they have followed someone they can trust. Still don't know what the final rescue looks like. Because it seems to me that a lot of life is that moment rather than what comes next. How often don't we feel just as afraid? How often don't we feel as though God has been silent for a very long time? How often aren't we able to see what comes next and wonder whether God is someone who can be trusted? We look ahead at things that overwhelm us, that threaten to drown us, and we look behind at things that are threatening to overtake us. And those are the only things we can see. And we wonder, perhaps, whether we've been duped. Many of us are well acquainted with this moment in the story. There is a long litany of things in this world that overwhelm us and overtake us. Depression or anxiety that grips our hearts. Cancer that eats away at our bodies. Dementia that erodes our loved ones' minds. Racism that crushes our souls, families broken beyond repair, unemployment, loneliness, not to mention a pandemic that has brought us all to new levels of fear and exhaustion and frustration. It's all too much. We are the Israelites sitting trapped by the edge of the sea. We are the Israelites in Babylonian exile hundreds of years later, wondering whatever happened to that promised Messiah. We are the ones waiting in perpetual Advent, not knowing what final rescue looks like. Why on earth, God, did you bring us here of all places? Why did you bring us here? Better to have stayed in Egypt. The terrified Israelites ask this question in Exodus 14, verse 11. And Moses answers their question, but not by telling them how this will turn out. Instead, Moses reminds them who it is that they are following. Do not be afraid, he says. Stand firm, and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see till day, today, you will never see again. Jehovah will fight for you. You need only to be still. Throughout this Exodus story, God has been the one to make things happen. The one who imagines a way that doesn't result in slavery or death. The one who orchestrates the rescue of baby Moses in a basket, using unsuspecting characters like Hebrew midwives, and Moses' mother and sister, and the Egyptian princess women who are not normally the players in the stories, whom no one would suspect to undermine the power brokers of this world. This is the I am who bides his time, waiting to meet Moses in the burning bush at just the right moment. This is the one who plagues Pharaoh and all of Egypt with disasters that mock their own gods while sparing the band of slaves just on the other side of town and the story isn't done yet. The Israelites are in need of a final decisive rescue. Jehovah has planned to lead them right through the middle of the grave and out the other side. The I am plans to conquer death itself, plans to conquer the powers of this world that threaten to enslave us forever. God imagines a way forward that the Israelites never saw coming. Who had, whoever would have expected that the sea would split down the middle with the water standing at attention on either side, making a way for an entire nation of people to saunter through the middle on dry ground? Who would have expected that God would direct death to claim instead Pharaoh and his entire army, the greatest power the world had ever known? And this is what Miriam's song celebrates. Taking a significant departure from the normal songs of victory that were used to welcome back the victors of war, the Israelite women instead celebrate God. The one who imagines a final rescue too wonderful to comprehend. A song of praise to Jehovah who won't let death get in the way of life. A song that would shape the Israelite's story to be a continual reminder of who their God is. The God who hears their cries of suffering. The God who cares for the oppressed and overthrows the powers of this world. The God who shows power through the powerless. The God who imagines a way they never could. This God is the foundation of their story. The I am who Miriam the prophet knew the Israelites would need to depend on. This is the part of the story that they would need to be reminded of over and over again as they ventured out into the desert just a few days later thirsty and wondering again why they had been led to a place that seemed like certain death. Like the Israelites, this is the part of the story that we need to be reminded of over and over again. As we journey through our own deserts, as we wait in exile... As we live a life of Advent waiting, we most need the part that tells us who God is the God who hears our cries of sorrow and desperation, the God who cares for the oppressed, the God who undermines and overthrows the powers of this world, the God who shows power through the powerless, the God who imagines a way forward that no one will ever see coming. Our hope is not in knowing what that final rescue looks like, but in knowing the God who delivers in unexpected ways. This is the God who, with a puff of breath and a flick of the wrist, commands creation and directs death. This is the God who takes down powerful kings and their armies. This is the God who has the power of the universe at his disposal. And this is the God who comes to us as one of those unsuspecting characters in the story. Who would ever have expected the king of the world to come through a poor unmarried girl? Who would have predicted deliverance through a baby? Who would have looked for the Messiah in a stable outback? This is the God who showed us more of who he is by coming near by becoming one of us. And Jesus was certainly unexpected, wielding authority over demons and illness, wind and waves, yet choosing to fraternize with tax collectors and fishermen and prostitutes, telling people to love their enemies, calling blessed the people who mourn, who are meek, who are poor in spirit, reaching out to touch those whom others found repulsive. Challenging the powers that be, often in religion more than in government, being unexpected is what got Jesus killed. And then who would have predicted that God would defeat death by walking through the grave himself? Just as the God of the Exodus changed the story for the Israelites, so Jesus changes the story for us, not just in his death and resurrection, but also in the way he lived. The God who came near to us showed us how to do the same so that in coming near to each other, we might see even more of who God is. A few months ago, I was working on a project and I asked my own congregation in Grand Rapids for a little help. I asked them if they could share stories with me of ways that they have seen or experienced people helping and supporting each other during these long months of covid One woman, a teacher, told me how the retired teachers in our congregation organized last year to make and deliver dozens of frozen meals to the current teachers in our congregation who had been working so many extra hours. A mother of four told of the neighbor who works at her kid's school and every Monday brings to their house two half gallons of milk, one of them chocolate, as well as a box full of bags of healthy snacks and sandwiches. A grandfather who is battling lymphoma described the blueberry scones that are baked by a friend each Sunday morning and delivered to his front porch. A church member who is a home health care aide made an Amazon wish list for a client who doesn't have a penny to spare. And the woman was moved to tears that people who didn't even know her would send her the things that she needed. A woman whose husband died last year mentioned the people who have taken care of her lawn and yard. I heard of three single women who met weekly on Zoom to read books aloud with each other, about a church that brought bags of fresh produce to the street corner near the hospital and gave them away to anyone who wanted one, and about a landlord who covered his tenant's rent for 10 months. As I read these stories, and there are more that I could tell, I realized I was being sung a song. My church was singing a song that reminded me of the most important part of the story. And your church, I am confident, sings the same song. The song that reminds us of who God is. A God whose justice splits the sea. A God whose love brought him near as a baby. A God who is still showing us more of himself in the hands and feet and faces of each other as we wait by the edge of our seas, as we wander in our own deserts, as we wait in our perpetual advent. These songs that we sing to each other remind us that in many ways we have already seen deliverance. And they remind us that our God will continue to orchestrate an ending that will be unexpected and more wonderful than anything we could imagine ourselves. Let's pray together. Lord God, bless these songs that we sing to each other to remind each other of who you are. The one who has done amazing things. The one who came near and who invites us to keep the song of your story alive today until you come again. Amen.
0: Thank you, Jody, for that message. Everyone, give her a round of applause, please. It's nerve wracking to come up in front of strangers and, and then do what she did, but that was very beautiful. Thanks for sharing that with us. <clears throat> Speaking of sharing, if you would like to give to Sunrise this morning, you can do so. There are uh, boxes in the back where you can place your offering, there's also QR codes on the back of the seats there where you can give digitally and you guys online can uh, find those links as well. Um, On our website? Facebook maybe? I don't know. They're somewhere. You can find them. We're going to sing one more song uh, so if you'll stand with me and uh, let's worship God.
1: Just one Okay.
3: There's a prayer team that's scheduled to um, be at the front of the service afterwards. If you feel like you would like to have someone pray with you this morning, please find them after the service. And as we go out from this place, we go out with the promise of Isaiah 41 and reminding us of who God is. Do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name, you are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Go in peace. Go out from this place singing our story as we love and serve the Lord. Amen.